Welcome to Start With A Win, where we give you the tools and lessons you need to create business and personal success. Are you ready? Let's do this. Coming to you from Brand Viva Media Studios, it's Adam Contos with Start With A Win. Producer Mark, you're killing it this morning. <laughs> oh, you know, there's only so many dance moves you can do from like the waist up. So I... <laughs> <laughs> seated dancing. <laughs> That's right. It's a new sport. <laughs> the seated dancing sport. There you go. Well, hey, how are you doing? I'm great. I, I, I could use a little uh, doctor oh, to yeah. talk to today, Well, you're though. in luck, you know, because... We have Dr. Z in the house. Right on. Yeah, Zach Schaefer uh, is the founder and CEO of Spark the Discussion. He is an entrepreneur, executive uh, mediator, and leadership coach who works with growing companies to solve people problems from hire to retire. He also owns businesses in the restaurant and real estate industries. He's an international speaker and a retired professor. Dr. Z, welcome to Start With a Win. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's it's great to see you. Um, you've you've done a lot, and we're we're really honing in a lot on the people problems part of life right now. So it's a uh, we thought we'd go to the doctor for this and and find sounds the, good the expert on it. So I, I want to jump right in because as a CEO of a company or former CEO of a company, I'm a CEO of another company now. We build companies. It's always people that that are either making or breaking. A situation, it seems. The structure on stuff generally is sound. Otherwise, you wouldn't be at the point where you're discussing it with people. But it seems like it's always people. There's bound to be conflict in organizations. How do we recognize that to begin with? I want to. I want to just dig right into this and and start unpacking some conflict that some of our listeners may be experiencing. But they're just like, this is noise in my life. But no, it's truly something you can fix. So uh, help me help me understand what is what is the conflict we're talking about? The the people problems. Right off the bat, everybody had with the big C word conflict, it's a negative connotation. And people should reframe that. If your businesses or your relationships are conflict free, those are dying. Uh, all conflict is, is disagreement. And companies and partners can do that more structurally and effectively or more uh, in a dystopian way. So the first thing is to acknowledge we're going to disagree and to have a strategy or, or playbook for success for how we should disagree effectively so that we learn from it and move forward together. Awesome. So all right, we disagree with something. I see a lot of different perspectives on this. It seems to me like people are a lot less patient in this day and age or for some reason, or maybe we're just shorter in giving grace to people. Have things changed with that? Have we seen an increase in conflict? Are people more on edge since call it, you know, the pandemic or the last five, eight years, social changes, things like that? Is, is there an increase in this going on? Well, I would think with the medium we're on, with this in our pocket, with our Apple watches on, we're totally distracted. And with conflict, when there's overt disagreement, most humans don't have training in how they should deal with that. So they kind of revert back to fight or flight oftentimes, and that's rarely useful. So when your focus is being pulled in 10,000 directions and there's something really difficult you actually need to focus on, people don't know how to do that very well, especially in person. Um, and then they tend to hide behind the, the Zoom call or a phone call or a text message or an email. And those are terrible media to try to work through disagreements. So the first thing is really Get get out on the table what needs to be discussed, and so you can start wrapping some clarity around it. Right. It, it seems to me like we see some uh, 
who was I talking to like last couple of days? And they were showing me some text messages from someone else. They were very passive aggressive. And it, it seems like that person wants conflict. They want to stir things up, but they want to avoid solutions. Correct. I'm seeing a lot of that. Is it, Help me out with that thought a little bit. Passive aggressiveness. Well, first of all, anytime there's a difficult message or people aren't quite on the same page, which I would say is most of the time in life. <laughs> right. Um, we, have a, we have a text message voice or an email voice. When something comes across, we start reading it in that voice. So if there's conflict involved, you can be sure that that voice ain't positive, the, the style and tone of our voice. So we need, if you want to grant people grace and have a little patience, actually having that call or having a face-to-face discussion is going to be uncomfortable in the moment, but for the best scenario or, or solution that you're looking for in your business, uh, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And CEOs that aren't there, they're not going to be around very long. That's interesting. Um, people, you hear that, all, all the listeners, don't discuss your conflict or try to unravel your conflict on text messages or emails. It doesn't work. I mean, just have the conversation. Pick up the phone. It still works. Pick up the phone and have a a human-to-human talk and share some of the emotion and grace as part of that. Because I I like to think that everybody's a nice person down deep inside and and they want to be known as a nice person. But it's weird. You get the the harshest comments from some of the nicest people sometimes. It's bizarre. Yeah, and people... So we got, we have different conflict styles. Okay. And this research was from like the eighties. So it's all pre pandemic. And I think it's a little outdated, but when push comes to shove or a pandemic pops up, we, we relied back to our primary style. And I bet you guys can guess what most people's primary style is avoid. So we avoid conflict as a primary style. And that is terrible because then they just build up and build up over time. And then eventually somebody explodes or gets overwhelmed or we lose key players, et cetera. Or we misallocate capital and people to projects that aren't really going to be successful. So for me, I view communication and conflict management or conflict resolution, it's the oil to the machine. If we don't have a clear communication cadence or what I call conflict competence in your organization, you're missing out on opportunities. People aren't speaking up with good ideas. Um, You're really not tapping into your team to the level that you could. I like that term, conflict competence. Give us a clear definition of that, please. Absolutely. Um, for From a leadership team perspective, how effectively is our team able to grapple with disagreement? If we don't disagree, that is a perfect indication. We have groupthink going on and people are self-censoring. If we're throwing things at each other and flipping out and leaving the room, well, we probably need to turn down uh, our volume a bit. But when we can be blunt, candid, disagree with vigor and with energy, and then good solutions are built from that, your team has conflict competence. I like that. I've heard the term disagree, but not be disagreeable. Yep, absolutely. And it's hard. All of this, let me be clear. I know I used to teach all this stuff and have written a lot about it. This is an art. This stuff ain't a science because it's humans. We have patterned behaviors. We're subjective. We could do the same thing nine days in a row in the office, and then day 10, we change it, and, and our actions mean something different. So with conflict management from an executive or leadership level, it is much more of an art because you constantly have to be thinking not just about yourself and the issue, but everyone involved and what their meanings are that they're taking from that experience. Awesome. You So you you talked about one of the, probably one of the key ways, the, I guess you could call it the easiest but worst way of handling conflict that people use is avoid it. What are some practical ways that we can handle conflict better with our teams at in the office? 
Well, the first thing, if you're a leader, have a discussion about it. Like, discuss, how are we going to handle conflict before it pops up? Because it's going to pop up if you're a successful team in a growing company. And you want to have some clarity around that. Because then when it occurs, you can point back to that anchor discussion of, oh, yeah, we agreed that we do X, Y, Z. The other thing is to remember there's three levels of conflict in any most organizations. There's the personal level. How do I like to respond or engage in conflict? The team. How does our team? Because the team could do it very differently, and they usually adopt the style of the lead of the team. And then the company-wide culture. What is conflict like? You know, in my Fortune 500 construction company, you can bet it's a bit different than in my hedge fund company or in my IT managed service provider company. Um, And that all needs to be taken into account together. I love how you started this whole thing. You you talked about dealing with conflict before there was conflict. And I, I think that laying that groundwork is incredibly important. I remember when I when I was in my MBA program, we all did this little thing where we got on sailboats with four other people that were nothing like us. We we went to the opposites mm-hmm. in the uh, the personality spectrum from everybody, but we created a social contract of how we would handle conflict amongst this group before we had any and then we we had to revert to that in order to handle conflict. It was it was fascinating. Can you tell me how have you taken some companies through establishing those rules around that uh, that conflict management? It to- yeah, absolutely, and it totally depends on the company and the goals of the company. So an easy one that I can I use all the time is in our sports bars. So I'm one of the owners and leaders in uh, a growing sports bar chain here in St. Louis, four locations over a hundred people. You guys can imagine the challenges that the restaurant industry has had post-COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, and when you have young people and liquor, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting environment for conflict. So it's all about being proactive and not letting things fester. So I instituted what I call informal huddles where our eight assistant general managers and general managers, as soon as something pops up, you know, in theory, they're supposed to pull somebody off the line and go have a one-off conversation rather than screeching in in front of people, in front of their peers. One thing I have learned is people do not appreciate being called out for things in front of a large group of people. Um, A quick side note I'll share. Are you familiar with who Robert Gates is, Bob Gates? I'm not. So he was the former Secretary of Defense, former president of Texas A&M, former head of the CIA, president of the Boy Scouts of America. Unbelievable leader. Republicans and Democrats love this guy. I got to attend a dinner when he was at A&M and I was down there. And he said the number one piece of leadership advice is praise loudly and publicly often, blame privately whenever possible. And for me, that goes right into conflict management 101. When you have to have those offline parking lot conversations, do it quickly and make sure there's as much clarity as possible on the agreement in the moment and what the next steps are. That's where people fall off is... What's the next step after this conversation? Totally. And and that's a great point. It takes me back. I mean, I was a a police commander, SWAT commander, and I had my mentor riding with me one day in the car, and I I actually texted one of our officers and said, meet me in person. And he said, why can't you just do it over the phone or over the radio? And I said, because I want to talk to them about a challenge they're having instead of being public with it. I need to be face-to-face. And it made all the difference to these people. It still makes a difference to people that you care enough about helping them solve their problems that you're willing to do it face-to-face. So I, I think that's a that's a big deal. So thank you, Dr. Z, for pointing that out. So let me ask you this. Yep. What's the biggest mistake a leader can make 
when navigating conflict and how to how to avoid it? Okay, so the preface, the pr- biggest mistake is not thinking that conflict's going to pop up and having ready how they'll do it. But let's say it pops up. Right. Shutting it down too early and then not revisiting the conflict once it's shut down. Because that's a big red flag that's saying, uh-oh, there's something here beneath the surface. I better dig in. I, it's an opportunity to learn, do something different. And people get uncomfortable because they don't like conflict. So they just shut it down because that's the control. That's easy to do. I'm the authority figure. This is, oh, people are getting uncomfortable. Fair enough. So I say let it go a little longer and just shift from I need to control this to what can I learn from this? What's going on in the room here? And then make sure we revisit it if it does get to that level where it's unproductive. Gotcha. Very good. I I would say that uh, one of the things that I see cause conflict is change. You know, people, they, they fear change or they... They're comfortable where they're at, and change is uncomfortable. So you get this fear response, fight, flight, or freeze, which creates conflict. Last three years have been filled with change. And it's funny because even if you go back three years before that, you can say there's a lot of change in those three years. It's just different change. This one we're a lot more aware of. What are some conflict resolution strategies that leaders can use during these seasons of rapid change? So I always break things down into strategic level versus operational level. I define strategy as a game plan for success that gives you a framework to say yes and no to opportunities that present themselves. It's about laser focus in the direction you're going. Execution is, that's the easy part. Execution is the hard part and actually doing that over and over and over. So the first part is more strategic. Having those conversations with key leaders around the CEO to say, how do we want to deal with change and conflict? Change sucks because you said people get comfortable, they've established processes and routines, and hopefully they're pretty good at getting their job done. So it implies loss. It implies a loss of security, maybe status, process, and people grieve loss. And some people get angry. Some people, you know, pipe down and disengage. So like really creating that space to know people are going to experience change differently, definitely conflict differently. Uh, You mentioned something earlier on that I think is also extremely useful, and that's assessments. So I use a variety of different assessments in my work. Having that data and knowing how key people around me will naturally want to respond to that stuff is gold, because then I can alter my communication style, my messaging, know to give them a little more time to process things if if they are that process-driven thinker. Whereas I'm a weirdo, you know, shiny metal object. Oh, we got to change and do this. Okay, how fast? When do we need it? Wow, yeah. So really understanding your team can help better set them up individually for change and conflict, not just for how you deal with them as a manager or leader, but also how they will fill into the strategy that is being built for the change itself. This is uh, this is a fascinating topic because, I mean, it just plays into the, the de-escalation of conflict leads to the creation of solution in, you know, essentially in life, generically, if, if that's how we, we uh, describe it. And I remember in law enforcement, we in still to this day, I, I'm still involved in it. We put people in conflict artificially to get them used to solving problems in conflict. So they learn how to give grace, how to deescalate, how to not use unreasonable force or take things a direction that they doesn't need to happen. But we don't do that in business. We don't train our people in business how to deal with conflict. Uh, maybe in sales we do, but we certainly don't in a planning meeting or something like that. Is Do you have any recommendations for how we can 
help our employees? You know, is it scenario planning or acting things out or, or how do we get our employees better at dealing with conflict? I mean, there's generally we're, we're talking about professional development and then there's a couple different buckets underneath that. Okay. So right off the bat, the two my own horn, I actually have a workshop seminar called Start Conflict for Smart Conflict, where we do exactly that in the business setting with, through a variety of simulations to figure out the most common ways people will respond and then to start to illuminate the different choices that people could have when those disagreements do pop up. So you can do the traditional training, which I, I view training as choice elimination going through the motion so you're not thinking and you can just react over time. We don't tend to get to that level in the business world because we don't do enough training. I did, I view development as the opposite. That's choice illumination. Something pops up and instead of not thinking because I just do my habit, it's here's the 27 different things I can do and then knowing which one to choose. And to me, that's much more of a coaching approach. So get people either coaching or put them through training because most people just revert back to their natural style of how they deal with disagreement. And that might work at an individual level. But once you're on a team, especially if that team's charged with, you know, millions or billions of dollars of budget, thinking about how we deal with conflict is extremely important. Right. But you're, I mean, here's the reality. You are being real about conflict. You're telling people you're going to have conflict in your business. Let's learn how to deal with it. Whereas I can't tell you how many times I've seen businesses and I, I coach CEOs also they don't even talk about it. It's crazy. There's like this, you know, you used it before, the big avoidance of the whole thing. So um, it, so what is conflict radar? You know, you have that term conflict radar. Yeah, that's a, a tool, a metaphor I created and a tool we use in our toolkit when we're doing this type of training or coaching. Again, research is very clear. Most people hear that, the C word, and it's instantly they get a knot in their stomach. They're like, ooh, I don't like that. I hear it. I'm a weirdo. I'm like, ooh, awesome. I view conflict almost as manure. Uh, it's stinky, it's dirty, but things grow from it. So the conflict radar is both a metaphor and an acronym. I want people to turn up the sensitivity of their conflict radar so that they can start anticipating in a workplace or a personal relationship, where might the disagreements pop up? Which ones are going to naturally make me uncomfortable? So it's that know thyself piece. Um, but then the actual acronym is... Uh, reflect, analyze, describe, apply, respond. Whether people remember that or not, it's all about creating a space between stimulus and response. Viktor Frankl, very famous author, wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, he was in concentration camps and was able to live through that and live a meaningful life. And he says, you know, for humans, there's a space between stimulus and response. In that space, we have the choice to choose our response in that response is our growth and freedom. How I think about conflict, that's our opportunity to grow. That's the obstacle. Let's lean into it, hug it, and move forward with it rather than be scared of it. Awesome. I love that. The in, Inside of that space in conflict is that growth and freedom. That's so true. Dr. Z, where can we find you online? Where, where on the social medias can our uh, listeners find you? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of boring. I'm a traditional consultant in that in that sort of framework. So LinkedIn is where I'm usually at. So, you know, you can find me Zach Schaefer at LinkedIn. I am on Twitter. I'm not super active, but Spark Solver is my Twitter handle or, or just by email, Zach at sparkthediscussion.com. Spark. All right. Sparkthediscussion.com. And you also have a uh, podcast. Yeah, I do. It's not, not as cool and hip and big as yours. It's <laughs> well, a small passion project, but we're at about 108 episodes now and it's called Life Lab. 
Awesome. Not business oriented. So it's looking at principles to live the good life. Awesome. Well, everybody check it out. 108 episodes is very respectable. That means he's been at it for quite some time. So probably some great content on there. Zach, Dr. Z, I have a question I ask all of our amazing guests on Start With a Win, and that's how do you start your day with a win? Yeah, so I probably been doing this for about 10 years now, but I like to own my morning rather than let the morning own me. And the pandemic really helped, gave, gave me the gift to drive that home. So there's a couple things. I do box breathing, if you're familiar with that. Yep. So that's, uh, yep, so I do box breathing. I have a set of four different meditations that I go through. Uh, I do a series of push-ups or squats to get the blood flowing. And then I do uh, journaling every day, two times a day. I've done that for many years now. And then I see the kids off to school. Uh, and I do all that because for the previous 10 years to that, at 5 a.m., within 10 seconds, I was laying in bed looking at my emails, and it was just causing total, total disorientation for my whole day. Awesome. What a great way to start your day. Dr. Z, Zach Schaefer, thanks for talking conflict with us today, and thanks for being on Start With a Win. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, and thank you for listening to Start With a Win. Head on over to adamcontos.com for more great content and to download Adam's foolproof time system that will help you manage your time like a successful CEO. Remember, until next time, start with a win. <laughs>